Conference Championship Week, bets. Woo! It, and dude, we're here. It's the end of the season, end of DFS season uh, for the most part. But man, I feel like you're hyped. I mean, I, f- I know you're here. You're hyped, dude. Oh, I, I cannot be more here, Kyle. I'm very much here right now. Uh, yeah, man, it's been a crazy season. Uh, one that I'll be honest, I had some doubts about whether or not it was going to happen, but we pushed through. Uh, the NFL season stayed on track. We got through the regular season. Uh, hopefully help some people win some money and kept that going to the playoffs. But yeah, man, we got another uh, fun two-game slate. Obviously, this game and this strategy is going to be a little bit different just because we only have two games. But conference championship weekend, I mean, just being able to appreciate like very, very, very good football on your TV is fun. And I don't know about you, man, but these matchups with the quarterbacks, like it's so fun to see on the AFC side. We have like these young phenoms in Mahomes, Josh Allen, going up against two future Hall of Famers on the other side of the bracket with Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. So very fascinating stuff here for conference championship weekend. Yeah. You're looking at the matchups here and you're saying to yourself like, wow, these, these pretty much are the best teams in football. I mean, yes, the Buccaneers were the five seed, but if you look at so many statistics across the board, whether that's, you know, defensive, uh, especially them protecting the quarterback, like these are the elite of the elite. So it's just good football. And, and it's awesome in terms of DFS, there's some really hard plays this week. Like there, all these quarterbacks are in play, which you can't say that every single year when you get to conference championship. But all four of these quarterbacks are in play. Tons of wide receivers, um, and then we'll talk about it in a second. But running backs is bare this week uh, outside of Aaron Jones. So I'm excited to talk about the slate bets. But let's talk about the divisional round last week, dude. You had a great week, so I'll let you go first. Tell the people how it went for you. Yeah, it was a really solid week overall. Um, very strong in cash. I felt really good about the process there. And in tournaments, it was it was okay. It could have been better for sure. I had a couple teams that ended up even cashing with Lamar, putting up that like eight point game over on Fanduel. So that was kind of tough. But yeah, man, it was. I felt good about the process. Had a ton of of exposure to just going. You know what? I'm all in on this Chiefs offensive attack. Because they were coming off of um, a bye week, obviously had some rest. We were predicting the Cleveland secondary to struggle a ton. We saw Kansas City just with ease. You know, it was like chunk play after chunk play to Michael Hardman, to Travis Kelsey, to Tyreek Hill. So the guys that we talked about on the show, and it was very easy to stack them with Mahomes because the pricing was a little bit soft. So yeah, it was a pretty good week overall. Um, sometimes it's this DFS game is easy because the, the right plays work out and other times they don't. Last week, I was fortunate to be on the right side of a lot of those things. But yeah, it was a great week. Hopefully we can keep it going here this weekend. Guys, listen to bets. That's my advice. Um, <laughs> you know, bet, like bets told someone on Twitter, just like when Kyle talks, just mute him. That's what I do. I barely even hear the show when Kyle's talking. <laughs> no, it's funny. Bets and I were kind of reflecting on the year. We'll do that at the end of this show. We'll kind of give some overarching thoughts. But I had a streak at the beginning of the year where I was just, you know, cashing every single week. And I had a couple of GPPs where um, I just did super well, won our tournament. I mean, I was just feeling good. Really, these last two months, it's kind of been hit or miss for me. And I, I will say last week, Mark Andrews. I told people he's my favorite play on the slate. That didn't work out so well. And yeah, if you played Mahomes or you played Lamar Jackson, like you didn't get a full game. So it's pretty obvious that you were probably not going to make it unless you had some really strong plays, the other one. So yeah, I just, I want to give people courage that, you know, people message all the time. Did I do something wrong? Uh, Guys, there's, there's kind of a really thin margin for error in this. If you didn't play Travis Kelsey and said you played Mark Andrews, like that's, that's a huge you know, leverage that everyone else is getting in tournaments. So it's just seeing how this game works. And we talk a lot about game theory. We talk a lot about what it means to construct a roster that is built to win a GPP and one that's built to actually uh, win in cash. So we'll talk about that more uh, today because we're going to, you know, talk about these two games and really two games is is so different. Like the strategy is super different. But Bets, any any shout-outs you want to give just about some of our content this week? I know you're writing a showdown article later this week. Yeah, that'll be up in the DFS pass on the website. 
Um, that is going to preview the Kansas City and Buffalo game, which I am excited to dive into in a ton of detail and just kind of put a different spin on this game. You know, the time is running out for, for DFS for football. So uh, this is kind of the week to dive right in to uh, the top picks that we have from uh, our boy Waz on DraftKings and, of course, Ben Cummins over on FanDuel. Those guys crush it every week. You're still crushing pace of play. Um, your first look article, like we still have so much content for you guys in the DFS pass. So go check it out. And then of course, capping the weekend off with the showdown slate, which I'll be writing. Yeah. You can use promo code DFS pod if you'd like. And just to give you just a tease, I got a, a, a sneak peek at what we're going to put out for 2021. So I know that's August and that's, that's a ways ahead, but we're going to actually do some pre-order on the Super Bowl and bets, we've got some new things uh, coming out in footballers' world. Uh, so you guys stay tuned. We'll get to announce that stuff the next week or so on the on main footballer show. But yeah, our UDK, our DFS pass, and then we got something else we're actually rolling out too. So just stay tuned. <laughs> You're so close. I don't want to say it. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to get. You know, my first day on the job is technically next Monday. So oh, and you man, are. Fired. I don't want to. <laughs> you know maybe maybe that's it maybe that it was a good run uh while, while i had it but uh but yeah we're glad you're with us and so bets let's get into these two games on the main slate state of the main slate two games bets that's it that's what we have in front of us so how does that change things in terms of dfs how does that change our strategy yeah, we talked about it a little bit last week with just having a smaller player pool to pick from, and that is now cut in half, right? So we go from four games to two, so the player pool gets even smaller. You're going to see roster percentages elevated by an extreme rate. So if you're used to and playing in GPPs and you're seeing guys, you know, I'm shooting for a guy to find that's sub five, sub 10%, that basically just won't happen this week because of the fact that we don't have as many players to pick from, and that's okay. And sort of kind of being okay with elevating your... I guess, uh, leeway with certain rules that you have in building GPP lineups is important. For example, you know, we always talk about, well, you want to try to correlate um, your running back with your defense. Uh, this week, maybe you don't do that because the, there's just not as many optimal plays, so to speak. So uh, you want to be willing to kind of let your hair down a little bit, get a little wild this weekend, and not necessarily get so stuck in sort of, this is the right way to do it, this is the wrong way to do it. Because in just two games, like this slate can flip on its side with without notice right like what happens if Aaron Rodgers comes out and puts up a huge dud he's going to be super popular this week like those things can happen so be willing to get different be willing to kind of tell yourself a story in terms of different game scripts because what we think is going to happen may not happen and it could provide a ton of leverage in GPPs for sure I think that's a great point bets and I'll just add this in some of our early projections, the two most popular players in terms of running back and wide receiver, which is really, you know, this is how you win. You, you, you pick the right combination of those is Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. So you really have to make a call and say, okay, Packers are three point home favorites. What do I do there? Like, how do I get different knowing that these two, these are the two most popular players because running back is bare this week. And Devontae Adams is the best wide receiver in the game. So you really, you have to make a call there. Am I going to roster two players that are going to be on probably over 50% of the rosters? Like that's, that's the game. So that that's my advice is the roster percentage game is one that you really have to, you know, if there's a week to do it where you have to say, okay, 50% of the field is going to be playing Aaron Jones this week. Can I gain leverage on that? Or am I, is he going to, you know, get 20 points and that's going to, going to kill me. And then I'll also mention this. Betts talks about this all the time. You have two games, and so you need to be able to utilize late swap this week. So be conscious of how you're building your lineups because the KC and Buffalo game, which is the later game, 640 Eastern time, you need to be able to ask yourself, especially in tournaments, what do I have in front of me and how can I swap so that I can get different? Uh, because you're going to be able to see where you're at after Tampa Bay and Green Bay and kind of be able to adjust. So make sure you use that late swap uh, and make sure you play those certain players. So if you're playing Aaron Jones, do not put him in your flex. Put him in your running back position so that you can have some flexibility afterwards. So let's go to the first game bets. Tampa Bay at Green Bay, Battle of the Bay. And both of these games, it's interesting that these teams have already played each other this year and they both played in week six. I don't really know what that means, bets, but it, it's, it's definitely 
more than a coincidence that these are the four teams left and they all played each other in week six. But where do you want to start talking uh, in this game? Packers are three point home favorites and it has a 50 and a half point total. Yeah, I think the biggest thing to kind of talk about with this game first is if we just take a look back at week six when these teams did play. Tampa Bay just embarrassed Green Bay, right? You remember that that game where uh, Aaron Rodgers comes out, they're up 10 nothing. he runs in for a touchdown, he uh, does this weird pelvic thrust in the air with his hands behind his neck, and after that moment, the game completely flips sideways and Tampa Bay just runs away with it. Now, after that happened, they were blitzing Aaron Rodgers an absolute ton on his dropbacks, 44% pressure rate in this game was the highest Rodgers faced all season. So they said, you know what, Rodgers, we're going to pressure you, try to beat us. And it worked for Tampa Bay in that matchup. So I think we can need to kind of, you know, look at this scenario and say, does the Tampa Bay defense do the same thing? Or do they kind of switch it up and let Aaron Rodgers have a little bit more time and just try to keep everything in front of them? Because that's going to kind of dictate, in my opinion, how we project Green Bay to perform in this game. What are your thoughts on, on that sort of matchup between uh, Tampa's defense, which is strong, and Rodgers and the unstoppable Green Bay Packers offense? Yeah, they sacked him five times in that week six game, which and Brady was sacked none. So I think that was a huge part of it. It was Rodgers by far his worst game in the entire year. Uh, my question, though, is do we have any sort of model that describes or able to calculate what it what what a when a player pelvic thrusts, it's a negative correlation play, I'm assuming. It is. Yeah, it is. Because, again, the confidence gets too high. The defense gets mad. They get more motivated. And then it just flips on its head. So, yeah, we'll have that up in the DFS pass next year for sure. The <laughs> thrust model to go we'll, along with the snow we'll, model. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll have to grind some tape during the offseason and uh, and uh, add that to our list. But I, joking aside, I, I just think this is a different Packers team. And I think, you know, Green Bay games are hitting the over. If you kind of just scroll back and look at their games, like they ran 75 plays last week against the Rams and they were leading the whole time. Usually think of the Packers as a slow team. They've been dead last in pace of play, but I like Rogers and I think that they've kind of solved some of their offensive line issues in terms of protecting him. Um, and also they've just gotten the ball out quicker than, than I think before, you know, usually think of Rogers in this downfield passer, Rodgers had the highest percentage of his yards come after the catch this year in his career. So he's actually getting these screenplays of Devontae Adams, you know, in the red zone, they're throwing super close. So I like Rodgers at home, uh, especially on DK. I, DK is 6,500. That's, that's a steal for me. I love Aaron Rodgers this week for sure. I kind of wanted to like set up my question earlier with like the, the defensive matchup so I could tell everyone to not worry about it. Um, I, I love him. The price is good. I think he's, if I'm not mistaken, he's the quarterback three in pricing on DK. I want to say quarterback two on FanDuel. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. So either way, on, on both sites, I'm willing to play him this week. The thing that I love about the Packers, and there's a debate in the football world, it does, does home field advantage matter? For the Packers and for Aaron Rodgers, the answer is yes. When he's playing at Lambeau Field and they're winning at halftime, this is per Warren Sharp, he is 70 one and one one game he has lost when they're winning at halftime that's good that is very good so this Packers offense and what do they do like when you look at the season-long trend they are the best offense in football in the first half of games allowing them to be able to kind of coast to victory in the second half so I'm going to tell myself a story in this matchup if I'm playing Aaron Rodgers stacks that he comes out with his hair on fire Stack him with a pass catcher or two. Obviously, Devonta Adams. I don't even know how much in detail we need to go about it. Like he's just a phenomenal play every week. Um, and then tell yourself a story that okay, if that happens, as Vegas predicts, as home favorites, knowing that trend, knowing how much that they uh, get out to an early lead, you would predictably say, okay, well, in the second half, that means Tom Brady has to drop back and throw the ball a ton. So one of my favorite builds this week that I've kind of already started looking at is an Aaron Rodgers stack, bring it back with one or two pass catchers on the Tampa side. Yeah. And I'll just say this about Adams, you know, I'm all about saving, you know, saving some cash. So when you go down a little bit further to digs, like I, I love being able to drop down from the top price guy. Devonte Adams is by far just per dollar. My favorite play at wide receiver. Um, Tampa Bay has allowed the second most red zone passing touchdowns in the league this year. And since week eight, they've allowed the most. So that's where he makes his, his money. That's where he's at. So he's a lock. He's he's in my cash game lineup right now. It's it's not a question. Like he's going to destroy uh, this Tampa Bay secondary. So yeah, stacking Rodgers and Adams is going to be obviously super popular. 
Um, what about the other wide receivers? Lazard caught a long touchdown last week, and I feel like Lazard and MVS, there's one of those two. I can't tell you which one it is, but I feel like one of those two, if you're double stacking, are super intriguing in this game. Yeah, they definitely are. And again, it's sort of like lazy analysis, but pick one. I I, I, don't, I couldn't tell you honestly which one's going to be the one. So again, I usually build at least three to six GPP lineups. I don't play like the 150s. Kyle's our, our 150 guy here on the team. Um, but if you're playing in those sort of formats where you're building multiple lineups and you're in a tournament, be willing to create multiple lineups that are different because certainly one of these guys is going to hit. We saw it last week. Lazard was the guy. It could have easily been MVS who got deep for a long um, target. He just missed him. Aaron Rodgers missed him. Um, so one of these guys likely is going to hit. It's got a high total. Again, Green Bay playing very, very well at home. Tampa is a pass funnel, right? They are just dominant against the run. And they've been awful without, you know, not considering last week with Drew Brees, sadly playing awful football in his last game, potentially. Oh, man. I know. I know. It was so sad. Um, for real, though, it, it was seem, sad to see him go out like that. But looking at what they do on the season-long trend, like they stopped the run. They struggle to stop the pass. So, yes, I think that both of these guys are in play. You just kind of need to be willing to create multiple lottery tickets, so to speak, if you're entering GPPs. Lazard's going to be much more popular just because of the recency bias. Like, people saw what happened last week. So, if you want MVS, like, I could see him coming in 7 8%. And that's 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 pretty low in terms of having a two-game slate. So, MVS, I think, is the... Large field play, Lazard, you know, has a higher floor. You know MVS, guys. He's he's a zero, or he's going to catch a 90-yarder kind of kind of guy. But 3,900 on DK, uh, he's definitely the cheaper of the two. And then uh, Robert Tanyan, we'll talk about Kelsey in a second. It's really hard to get off of Kelsey this week, but I think Tanyan is safe if you want to go there, especially on DK. You know that he's a touchdown machine. So uh, he's in the mix there. He's kind of the second highest priced tight end. But Aaron Jones, I think, is the main conversation piece. Do you want to go there? Yeah, let's do it. I mean, we told people last week that, you know, I felt pretty strong that they were going to go to him in games that matter when the the game's on the line, when they need to win. And what do you know? Here comes A.J. Dillon's thighs onto the field and Jamal Williams over and over again. So, yeah, this looks like a not necessarily a full committee, but at least like a 1A and then kind of two guys rotating in. So it, he's a guy that we, he always relies on efficiency. And, and we know that about Aaron Jones. He can do that. We talked all week about how the, the matchup is going to be really tough with the Rams. And he comes out and, you know, first play of the second half, 60-yard carry or whatever it was. So he's a guy that can do that. So to me, knowing that the floor is low because of the, the fact that this Tampa Bay run defense is very, very, very good. To me, I'm probably not going to play him in cash. And it's because of the way the roster builds kind of work out where, you know, there's not that big of a difference with these running backs. Like it's sort of annoying because of how cheap they are that it allows you to get in cash, especially to get up to two of the following Devonta Adams, Stefan Diggs, Tyree Kill. And to me, that just seems so, so safe relative to playing like, all right, I'll play Adams and I'll play Aaron Jones and. Devin Singletary, right? Like it, it just doesn't feel good. So he's a GPP only play for me this week. And you're sort of hoping he gets there probably on efficiency and pass catching. Yeah. I think the thing with Jones is when you look at the other running backs on the slate, you know, Air Jones, uh, Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, the Kansas City backfield, Devin Singletary. It's like, okay, there's only one of those that's a true stud. And Jones is the only one of those guys that you could say he could be the highest scoring player on the slate. I mean, we've seen we've seen him go for 35, 40 points. He's the only one that you could actually make the case for that. So that's why he's so intriguing. So in tournaments, you have to make that call. Like, do you want to fade somebody who's going to be 50 plus percent completely? Jamal Williams is still annoying. Everyone knows that he's getting about nine carries per game. We're projecting him around 7%. So if you want to leverage play, He's it. I just don't, the, there's not enough opportunities to say like, I have to play Jamal Williams. Like he's just, you're saying in a large field, um, I want to do it. And I will mention this about Aaron Jones. He's seeing about three and a half red zone carries per game. That's great. I mean, that's, that's what you want. So I don't mind him in cash, I, I, but I get what you're saying, Betts. In order to get the builds where you get two of the stud wide receivers, it's pretty hard to fit Aaron Jones in. So let's go to the Tampa Bay side. Uh, 
what do you do with Tom Brady? Because he's going to be fourth in terms of the pecking order of quarterbacks this week. Like, is he a leverage play that you're interested in? Yeah, I think so. And I think the way that he gets there as a leverage play, like you said, he's going to be the fourth most popular, aka last on the slate at the quarterback position. So not popular, not popular, not sitting at the cool kids table with Kyle and I. Um, so he is definitely in play as a leverage quarterback this week in a game that features a total that I think can go over right now. It's sitting at 50 and a half. I've seen it at 51 some places. Um, and you know, green Bay, like we talked about, like they're just, they're forcing teams to have to score more points because of how good they've been and how efficient they've been. Meanwhile, this Tampa offense does way better when they let Tom Brady throw the football. I mean, I cannot tell you how many times I yelled at my TV this past week, Kyle, watching them hand the ball off to Leonard Fournette on first and 10 every single drive. It was so frustrating. And I feel like this week in a game where we project Rodgers and company to get out to a lead, they might not be able to do that. Like they might have to let Tom Brady throw the football. And so I think your builds, if you're playing Tom Brady, should kind of build with that in mind where maybe you don't play Rodgers. Maybe you stack Brady with two guys and then you bring it back with Adams or Lazard or, you know, whoever you want to. So yeah, to me, he is definitely in play in GPP, just knowing that without a doubt, like zero concern that he's going to be the fourth most popular guy on the slate at the quarterback position. Are you saying a run up the gut with fat Lynn is not a, a plus EV kind of play? <sighs> Only on third and one, <laughs> which they love to do first and 10 and third and one when it's obvious. Yes, definitely do it. Um, it, it, it really does frustrate me because I feel like they're just not letting Tom Brady do his thing. I, I feel like Bruce Arians is going to be, he's the only thing that can stop Tom Brady this weekend. It's Bruce Arians. So we'll see what he does. Uh, I'm really intrigued with how they employ the, the running backs this week. Yeah. The, with Brady, here's how you get different. You say this game's going to hit the over. I'm going to go Brady and maybe two pass catchers and then run it back with Jones or, or Adams you know, or, or maybe, and then throw in another one. Like that's, that's how you're getting different from the field because you're constructing a roster that doesn't have, you know, if we're projecting Aaron Jones, 50 plus percent, Devonte Adams, 50 plus percent, that is a huge amount of roster percentage that you are just gaining if you're just saying on the other side. So yeah, I'm uh I'm totally for that. Uh, but let's go to Leonard Fournette, man. It's hard to ignore. He's had 20, he's had 20 plus DK points in back-to-back games, averaging 23 opportunities. And I have him down as the second most popular running back on this slate. Am I crazy? No, I think that is where he's going to come in. And it's just like, you know, look at what he's done recently. So he went from the the nickname uh, in the Twitter streets to Fat Len to now he is Playoff Len. Um, I, I don't know what to make of the guy. You know, the efficiency isn't good. He's getting work. But you know, at any point in time, Ronald Jones is coming in for 15 carries and and all of a sudden you're like, oh man, I played the wrong guy. And I'm not sure if it happens this week. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe they keep riding Leonard Fournette. Um, but it's a game that it's it's sort of tricky. Like I wish Green Bay's rushing defense was a lot better so that this would be an easy fade. But we talk about it every week. Green Bay struggles to stop the run. And if they come out and give the ball to Leonard Fournette, first and 10, second and probably three uh or, or sorry sorry second and seven for a three yard run like it could eventually add up where it gets you to a point where it works so i hate to say it and it pains me to say it because i have a, a for sure a bias with this but i'm gonna play some letter for net this weekend because we know how much green bay struggles against running backs no i i've no, i asked you that question because i know how much you detest the dude yeah <laughs> I remember that week when he player. was he was like 4500 and it was like the cash lock for everyone. I said, no way am I doing it. And for three and a half quarters, it worked. But then he fell in the end zone twice. Yeah, I think it was against my Falcons that week. It was, yeah. Fournette, Fournette's a better play on DraftKings, 5,300. On FanDuel, 7,200 is just way too much for his skill set. But yeah, I think I think he's a fine play. I mean, right now I have him down bets for... 55% of rosters. That, that's crazy. We're talking about Leonard Fournette at this part of the season. Ronald Jones did go off against these Packers. So don't completely write him off, but I, I'm not really interested in part from just large field GPP. He went 23 for 113 and two against this Green Bay team. But uh, Buccaneers pass catchers. Is it? I mean, Godwin's my favorite. Is Is that what you're thinking too? It is, yeah, and I think this is a spot we can go back to him. The narrative changes so much with Godwin. If he doesn't have that egregious drop in the end zone last week, beautiful ball from Tom Brady. If you guys watched the game, ran a, a go route kind of out of the slot, 
Brady just drops it in the bucket and Godwin just hits his hands and he drops it. And that doesn't happen with Chris Godwin often. So he's been the team's leader in targets over the last four weeks of the season. He's been Tom Brady's favorite target. He's also leading them in air yard share over that time span. And 5400 on DraftKings is just a standout price. He's cheaper than Mike Evans by $400 uh, there. He's about $200 more expensive on FanDuel. So I think if you're going to play him, DraftKings is the place to do it. He's much better value on that site. Um, but either way, like him a lot. If I'm going to stick to kind of one guy and really go after one pass catcher on Tampa, it's Chris Godwin. Yeah, I like him in cash on DK. And then because he is more expensive on FanDuel, I think that'll lower his, lower his roster percentage. So you can play him in GPPs there. Uh, I think I think he's fine play. Mike Evans, every time I write off Mike Evans, and I like him. I had him in, in a, a redraft league that I he was awesome in the second half. Um, I feel like he, he showed out. And, uh, but Jair Alexander this week, I just, I'm going to stay away from Mike Evans. And I think most people get that. Is that what you're thinking people will do? Yeah, probably. I, and then with that being said, you know, I, I talked about Chris Godwin as being my favorite play. I think it's totally fine to mix in some Mike Evans. He is the goal line back. <laughs> understand. There was like kind of a joke early in the season about it. He was catching like one and two yard touchdowns every week. And we saw it last week. Like that's kind of their preference when they get in inside the two to three yard line is all right, Mike Evans post up on this dude. We're going to throw you the ball, catch it. And you know, in a small slate, like you might need nine points from Mike Evans to hit the optimal lineup. Like that's kind of where we're at with, with this two game slate because it's the, the sample size is so small. So um, I do think that he's in play certainly in tournaments. And I do think comparatively looking at Godwin versus Evans, I think Evans is going to be less popular. Yeah, for sure. Antonio Brown's kind of dealing with a knee issue. He's way down there on DraftKings at 4,700. So he's a tournament only play as well for me. Uh, but can we talk about these tight ends? This is the last thing I want to say about this game. I feel like the Bucks tight ends is maybe something that could get you different than everyone else, but it's probably not the tight end you're thinking about, Bets. So tell me about the Tampa Bay tight end one. We're talking about Cameron Brait. You get Gronk out of my face. No, I'm just kidding. I love Gronk. Um, but in all seriousness, this is this is the the exact conversation you and I had, I don't know, a month and a half ago about our boy, Cole Komet, and old man, Jimmy Grandpa. Now we have Jimmy Grandpa out of the way, and it is Gronk. In the same scenario, Cole Komet is now Cameron Brait. Cameron Brait has been outproducing Rob Gronkowski for three weeks straight. He is seeing more targets. He has been more productive. He's seeing the same number of end zone targets as Gronk, but no one is talking about Cameron Brait. He's also running more routes. So if I'm going to play one of these guys, it's going to be Cameron Brait. And it's not because I don't think Gronk can have a good game. We've seen it, obviously. But when you look at the trend recently, you know, Gronk's kind of in there more as a blocking tight end and Brait's kind of out there running the routes. So I think this is the way, like, if you're like, all right, I'm fine to play the chalk in this game. I want um, you know, Devontae Adams and I want Chris Godwin. Fine, go ahead and do it. And I think the way you can get different is Cameron Brait in your tight end spot and then maybe playing like Travis Kelsey in the flex or something like that because no one's going to play Cameron Brait. I'm seeing him right now in roster percentage projections at 7%. And we just talked about at the start of the show how it's nearly impossible on a two-game slate to find guys that are sub-5, sub-10%. So Cameron Brait, to me, is my favorite GPP play on the slate. Yep, 3,000 on DraftKings is too cheap for someone that's you know last two weeks he has 11 targets Gronk has six he has 130 receiving yards Gronk has 14 so that just means it'll probably blow up in our face bets 100 but in terms of just letting people know I think that's right like look at the routes run look who's getting targeted look who's actually getting the meaningful uh type of receptions we want and so yeah the the, the way you play Brait is playing him at tight end and then flexing in Kelsey or or someone else. Um, so, uh, give me a couple of plays that you like in this game, just in terms of you know, if you were to just stack this up, how would you stack it? Yeah, to me, I think my favorite play in this game is the obvious. It's Aaron Rodgers. I just trust him so much at home, and he's so cheap. And then it's Devonta Adams, and then kind of figuring out from there. And that's going to be popular, but I'm okay with that. I'll kind of look to get different elsewhere. Because we know with this Packers offense, it's so streamlined where the ball is going. It's going to, to Devonta Adams most of the time. 
And, you know, in other games where like we've seen, for example, we'll talk about in a second, like John Brown, we've seen Michael Hardman, all of a sudden Sammy Watkins pops up. Like there's other ways that I want to get different. To me, it's not as much with this game. I'm I'm good with the, the chalk, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams. Yeah, I, I think that's the easiest way. I think I'll probably create a rule. I, I mentioned that I, I do 150 kind of max entries sometimes. I feel like I'm going to have a piece of this Green Bay offense. So I'm probably going to create a rule that Adams or Jones have to be in every single lineup at some some level. Um, I'll have some where they're both in there. But I think you need a piece of this offense at some level. It's 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 hard for me to think about fading all of them. Maybe that's what gets super different. But yeah, it's it's Rodgers, it's Adams and running back with Godwin. I think that's going to be the most popular construction or maybe with Leonard Fournette. Um, but yeah, don't forget about Cameron Brait and those Green Bay secondary uh, wide receivers. So give me your Vegas pick. Green Bay by a million. I'm taking the over as well on this one. Is there a book that's giving you that as the spread? Uh, no, I'm taking it minus three. <laughs> I like my odds. <laughs> I will take a million. Sir, you can have it at minus three. I want the million. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take the over as well. I, I think uh, it's 50 and a half is not enough for me. And next year bets on this podcast, we're going to track all of our Vegas picks. And uh, I think we might have a little, another little contest between us if, uh, if you're down for it, man. Oh, hey, as long as you pay up from the first one that you lost. I mean, we just got to figure that out first with the uh, the, <laughs> the battle royale. But yes, I'm definitely in for some Vegas picks. It, it's a tattoo. Is that what you want me to get? Yes, that a tattoo of Mike Lennon somewhere that is visible <laughs> can be like bicep, shoulder. Any, my kids can't see it, though. That's the thing. <laughs> That's can't true. can't show my kids. That's true. You might have to ask Andy, Mike, and Jason, since they're your boss now, uh, their bosses, uh, if that's safe for work. I believe it is not. It, no, it's it is not approved by the FDA. It's <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> I don't know why the FDA is involved. I'm not sure. <laughs> All right, let's get let's get to. I mean, this is this is why we like football. Buffalo Bills at the Kansas City Chiefs, two best teams in the AFC. Uh, Chiefs are three-point home favorites, but depending on where you see this game, guys, the line has moved a ton. Bets. I mean, I, I've it started off with Buffalo being favored. It's all over the place, and it's all because of Patrick Mahomes' status. Uh, it, this game is fifty-three and a half point over/under. But let's just talk about that real quick. What do we expect in terms of Mahomes and concussion protocol stuff? Yeah, he's trending in the right direction. He's taking the snaps in practice, so it looks like he is going to play. And there's sort of been. Uh, a lot of a debate against, you know, with other medical folks out there that, you know, is it a concussion? Was it not a concussion? If you guys watch the play, he didn't really hit his head very much. But um, the concussion protocol just simply is, does a player show neurologic signs on the field? And if he does, and then he can't answer the questions that he's supposed to, automatically he's in protocol. So regardless, he's in the protocol, but he is trending in the right direction. And I would be shocked if he doesn't play in this game. The question they asked him was, is Mike Glennon safe for work? And he said yes. And <laughs> that's when they knew things were things were off. Things were bad. But no, we, with Mahomes, he's progressing in the right direction. We're going to assume that he plays. Is that okay, Bets, that we just move forward? Oh, yeah, and for assume sure. that he plays? Yep. Uh, and we can give a couple of you know plays at the very end where we talk about, all right, if Henny's in, here's what to do. In the DFS pass, I actually gave some of those scenarios if Henny's in. But with the Chiefs, you know you're getting a high pass rate, and you're also getting that from the Bills. Last week, the Bills basically said, screw it. We're, we're not going to run the ball. They ran nine running plays. And if you go back to when these two teams played in week six, when Buffalo had success is when they just decided, we're not going to run the ball anymore. Why would we do that? So, Bets, are we just going to see 40-plus pass attempts from each quarterback? Honestly, I think we will. <laughs> it's so fun to watch the Bills uh you know just completely establish the past i guess is not what we're doing so yeah i think that we're going to see a pretty similar type of um you know strength on strength type of matchup can the chiefs run the ball yeah we've seen it with ceh but he's not 100 percent. and patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in football right now not named mike lennon so i do think we're going to see uh pretty much back and forth between Allen and mahomes it should be a ton of fun if you came here for 
conference championship content, then you came to the right place because Mike Glennon's also involved in some of this analysis. <laughs> just can't help ourselves, uh, man. Well, he's done. He's out of the league after this. So just thought we'd give him one last hoorah. But yeah, with this game, this is probably the one that people will stack the most. These are going to be the two most popular quarterbacks. And for good reason, you know, you, you know, the ceiling and also they have a pretty established floor. Is there any worry though about Mahomes beyond just concussion stuff? Like he's also dealt with a toe injury. Yeah. He, if you guys watched the game last week, you saw him, uh, he was struggling to, you know, kind of create out of the pocket. And I'm not really sure why Andy Reid kept calling uh, running plays for Mahomes, but yeah, he, he suffered a turf toe injury last week and it's on his left toe. So, you know, something to watch for if you're watching the game. So I do think we're going to see maybe more of a quick passing attack for the Chiefs. Not that they don't already get the ball out of Mahomes' hands quickly. They already sort of do that. But when you look at like the special plays that Mahomes makes, all of a sudden he's scrambling to his right and he sees Tyree kill 50 yards on the field and he just you know sidearms it and all of a sudden it's a rocket to him. Maybe we don't see that, that type of mobility in this game. Now with all that being said... I'm not going to dock him a ton in terms of like what I'm projecting him to do just because, you know, I trust Andy Reid being an excellent coach to put his guy in a position to succeed. Obviously, his arm's not affected, so we're not really worried about that. So to me, maybe you approach it with a, a certain, you know, different like different lens to say, like, what if what if that toe is worse than we think it is and things get worse? So maybe that's the way you get different in GPPs. But I think you're telling yourself a, a you know, a pretty far fetched story if you're going that route. Yeah, I, I just think this game has all the makings to shoot out because both teams want to throw and they're, they're upfront about it. Like they're upfront saying we're going to keep throwing. And so that's what you want in terms of football. It's what you want in terms of fantasy. Uh, so with that being said, bets, we'll, we'll go to the passing game, but do, what does that mean for the running backs? Because Devin Singletary is cheap and he's really the only guy there. And that's kind of rare on this slate. Like you look at all the other, teams and you're like okay is it ceh is it Daryl williams is it fournette is it ronald jones is it aaron jones like it's devin singletary we're not really thinking about rostering anyone else for the bills so can you play him in cash any other week the answer to this question is no however we talked about the fact that the best plays on the slate this week are the wide receivers and travis kelsey so if you're playing cash formats this weekend figure out how to get Three of the four of the stud um, pass catchers will call them, including Travis Kelsey. So Adams, Diggs, Travis Kelsey, and Tyree Kill. And to do that, you sort of have to kind of like punt running back, which feels so weird to do. But I, I feel like is the right call. Now they have a high team implied total. We're projecting this game to be a high scoring affair. So predictably, that should elevate all of the, the players in this game. So I do think that he is viable, mostly because of his price to let you get to the pass catchers. But outside of that, meh. Yeah, he doesn't have a ceiling, people. Like that's that's not what you're going for. But on such a small slate, like, you know, 15 points is kind of significant if he can get there. Uh, he doesn't have a ton of touchdown equity because Josh Allen's kind of their goal line back, but the chiefs are 31st in run DVOA. So this actually is a plus matchup for Singletary and the way that you fit those other pass catchers in your lineup. Like if you go Singletary, let's say you went Singletary and Fournette. I know that sounds so gross. <laughs> That's just, I hate <laughs> saying that, but if you went Singletary and Fournette and then you went Adams and uh, Tyreek, you could also get in Kelsey if you were to punt your uh, other position like let's say you went with Cameron Brait or uh, MVS like you can get a roster that works that way uh, if you kind of have to punt one of those uh, flex positions so I think Singletary's fine I, I will be probably playing him in cash because 4500 on DK is just too cheap knowing he's the only guy feels safe but on the Chiefs side Darren Williams actually looked pretty good last week like they trust him he's been out on the field way more than Le'Veon Bill Bell 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 uh uh my southernism came Le'Veon Bale. um <laughs> he outsnapped him 101 to 31 the last two games uh without CEH but what do we know about CEH and if he plays are you interested I do think he plays he's trending in the right direction and reportedly he was kind of close last week and then was like a week away basically so they had been planning since last week to have him this week uh, assuming they made it past the Browns 
And my gosh, that was a, a scary situation. <laughs> but here we are, and I do think he plays. I don't know that you can trust him in cash. He's not he's not expensive, so that's not the issue. It's just, you know, he's coming off of a high ankle sprain. We haven't seen him since week 14. Uh, what, like, it's a run, you know, second off. I don't know why I said that that way. A pass first offense runs second with CEH. <laughs> but you can beat the Bills on the ground, and, and you, you look at this game the way it turned out the first time around when they played. CEH came out and smashed the Bills, if you guys recall that game. So it's worked before. I don't think that many people are going to play him. I think you're going to get him probably at... 30% or less in GPPs, which again, on this slate in context is very, very good. Massive leverage off the popular Aaron Jones, off Devin Singletary, off Leonard Fournette. So I think he's a phenomenal GPP play given the, the game environment. But again, I don't know that you can trust him in cash. Yeah. And if he's out for some reason, then Darrell Williams is going to be kind of chalk. He'll be super popular, but Williams is interesting uh, in GPPs as well, but just with CH coming back in the fold, um, you can't really go there. But on the Chiefs pass catching side, we mentioned Tyreek is up there. Do you like Tyreek or Diggs more? Just real quick. I actually like Diggs a little bit more this week, and it's just because I think Travis Kelsey is going to come out and just dominate. And not to say that they can't get there together. Hill and Kelsey, we've seen it. But I think, to me, I'll take Diggs. He's a little bit cheaper as well. Yeah, I'm kind of in that same boat, but Hill and GPPs, once again, you, you got to play them. But I mean, my biggest question is like, what do we do with the revenge game narrative bets? <laughs> Not really. I mean, it's a small slate, so we got to talk about the other Chiefs pass catchers in terms of Nicole Hardman and you know, Sammy Watkins, Demarcus Robinson. It, I mean, are you interested in any of those three? The tricky part is the answer to your question is yes, I'm interested in those three to tell you which one I want. It really depends on the injury status. So, you know, you need to be mindful of what happens in Friday's practice and then also looking at the final active and inactive list. If Watkins plays, I think people are going to be scared to play him. And I definitely want some exposure to Sammy Watkins in conference championship weekend in a revenge game in GPPs. Do not play him in cash. Do not do it. Uh, however, if he is out, I think what we saw last week will probably continue with Miko Hardman playing more snaps, getting designed plays for him. You saw him on a couple of jet sweeps and things like that. So, yeah, I think Miko Hardman is definitely in play. And then Demarcus Robinson is a contrarian dart throw at best in this situation. Yeah, the one of those wide receivers is probably going to catch a touchdown. I can't tell you who it's going to be. Uh, and that's going to be probably – it's going to be one of those secondary wide receivers – in this slate that catches the touchdown. And if you had him in your lineup, if it's Lazard, if it's Watkins, one of the lizard Kings, honestly, it's going to be one of those two. Uh, then I think, I think it'll be good. But yeah, we mentioned Kelsey. I feel like we've talked about him 10 times already, but imagine fading him bets this week. I will not just do imagine it. Imagine for a second. I will not do it. <laughs> you just, you just can't because the bills know how to give it up to the tight end. And his price looks scary because when you compare him to all the other tight ends on the slate, like there's a massive, massive difference. I mean, there's a giant chasm from Travis Kelsey at 8,000 to Robert Tanya at 3,600. That's, <laughs> that's ridiculous, but it doesn't matter to me. No, and it's because he's a wide receiver. I mean, his production is wide receiver one status. So yeah, don't be scared off by the price. Like I said earlier, and I did this last week too, figure out a way to get him either as your tight end, which obviously is fine, or in your flex if you want to go with a more contrarian guy, like a Cameron Brait, um, someone like that. I think that's totally fine to do. So I'm figuring out a way to find the 8,000 on DraftKings to get up to Travis Kelsey, and I'm going to find the way for sure on FanDuel to get him 8,600. Eat the chalk. He's a great play. Yeah, it's... It, usually when we talk about tight ends, Betts and I are okay with punting the position because the slate is dealing with 10 you know, plus games. So you need Travis Kelsey in those slates to basically put up 25 to 30 points to pay off in this slate. You're probably not going to get a big game from anyone else. Like Tanyan's the only one that could, he could catch two touchdowns, but I'm not really worried about him getting 20 points. So even if Kelsey gets 15 points, 15 to 20, that's awesome. That's what you need uh, to kind of outdistance yourself and he'll be popular. Uh, so 
if you did want to go anywhere, maybe in GPPs, but in cash, I there's no way I'm not playing Travis Kelsey this week. Let's go to the Bills side because there's some interesting plays. We talked about Diggs. He's awesome. What about the other wide receivers? Yeah, I think if you're looking at these guys, John Brown and Cole Beasley, uh, John Brown is cheaper on FanDuel than Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley is a little bit cheaper on DraftKings. I want some exposure to both these guys just based on the fact that, you know, they're going to be throwing the ball an absolute ton. Uh, They basically don't run the ball and they play a ton of four wide receiver sets, which you love to see from a a GPP perspective because, you know, someone is going to hit. You just kind of have to find that dart throw. I also love John Brown. If I'm going to kind of take one guy this week, he saw a 27% target share last week after putting up that goose two weeks ago. So I do think he's very much in play uh, this week. Uh, I think you know, he's fine to play with Diggs, but if you want to kind of get some leverage off Diggs, I think John Brown is a phenomenal play. I, I'm i fine with Cole Beasley in cash on DraftKings. Bet said he's, you know, a better discount there. But Kansas City, if they're going to give it up somewhere, it's going to be in the middle of the field. LeJerry Sneed, their slot cornerbacks, giving up a 19% uh, target rate, which is the highest on this slate. So... If they're going to give it anywhere, I could see Cole Beasley with five or six catches here, and uh, that feels pretty safe. But any other plays you want to talk about? Dawson Knox? Uh, nope. Uh, I like Dawson <laughs> Knox. He's like an, a yak guy. Um, he's the other one that you could say maybe I'll, I'll flex with Kelsey, but yeah, you're you're not really trying to go anywhere else in this game. But give me some game scripts or some plays that you like. Yeah, for sure. I think we should approach this, like we said, mostly assuming that Pat Mahomes is in. And this is a game that I could see turn into a total shootout. So I would love the the Pat Mahomes obvious stacks with one of these two, Kelsey or Hill, and then maybe one of more, more of those contrarian guys, maybe look at a Sammy Watkins or Miko Hartman, and then bring it back because you're being so popular with Mahomes, who is probably going to be the most popular quarterback, you know, Travis Kelsey, obviously the most popular tight end. You're kind of eating some chalk there. So maybe on the other in that scenario, you don't play Diggs. You go with John Brown or Cole Beasley or both those guys. So get different in that way. But I think that that's kind of my preferred way. But certainly, I'm not going to fault anyone that wants to play a Josh Allen stack. Yeah, if you're playing a, a Josh Allen smash stack, which is what I wrote it up as, you're taking Allen Diggs and then you're pairing him with one other. Or if you really wanted to go full on, you could say Allen Diggs, Singletary, and then maybe you're throwing in someone else, but you really need this game to hit the over for that to happen. It's just, it's hard to look at this game and see a scenario where Allen and Singletary both are valuable uh, unless like they throw, he throws them one. So that's where you need to get kind of contrarian. I will throw out these two defenses. There's turnovers that can't happen in this game. It's totally possible. We've seen Allen, when these two teams played, it wasn't pretty through for 122 yards. So Kansas city defense is intriguing at home. And then the Buffalo defense, like, I mean, if Henny plays, then they're going to be super popular, but can you play the Buffalo defense against Patrick Mahomes? Or is that just like a death sentence? I feel like any other week I wouldn't do that, but again, we only have two games. And so this is where I kind of throw out rules when I'm building lineups that what happens if Pat Mahomes throws a pick six, and all of a sudden they're the optimal defense, but then all of a sudden that gives Pat Mahomes the ball back and he throws for you know 303, it doesn't hurt you that much in terms of giving up points at the defense. So yeah, I think it's fine to mix in GPPs. Um, again, this this week you gotta get gotta get weird. So you're saying no rules this week. Uh just just go for it. Don't listen to anything we've said the entire year. hundred percent. Perfect. All right, yeah, no, you, you really got to get different. So I'm with you, Betts. Those are those are some good calls. All right, give me your Vegas pick. I'm going to stick with Bills Mafia. I'm going to take the points. I'll go plus three here with the Bills. I think if there's any team that can beat Kansas City, it's Josh Allen on the Bills passing attack. I'm going to take the Bills plus three as well. Oh, let's and go. We mentioned, how, we mentioned how Kansas City has not covered in eight of their last nine games. And they've actually won more this year than their expected win total. Uh, they've been super close in all these one-score games. Like, Kansas City's actually been kind of fortunate. Like, they're awesome. Don't get me wrong. It's an awesome team. But they've been fortunate to be on the winning side of some of these really close games. I think, and this one, it comes back to bite them. 
And yeah, I, I could see Josh Allen in the Super Bowl. What's crazy is that before the season, our own Andy Holloway, he picked the Bucks and the Bills in the Super Bowl. That is a that is a wild pick, but uh, we're pretty close to that. I, I think it's going to be Packers and Bills. I do too. All right, let's run through a couple of quick cash and uh, cash plays and dart throws. So, bets, give me a couple of like you're putting your flag in the sand, telling the people like play this person in cash. You can't say Travis Kelsey. Okay, <laughs> we need to just reiterate the answer to this question is Travis Kelsey. However, I am also going to be going all in on Devonte Adams because of the way they use him, right? The the target share is there, the end zone targets are there, the targets inside the five yard line are there. They're getting him ways to kind of move off the best cornerback on the opposite side of the field. We talked about it last week, Jalen Ramsey. I said, don't worry about it. They're going to figure out how to get Devonte Adams the ball. I expect them to do that again this week, and I think he is a lock of any of these players of the these guys we're going to talk about. He's the most likely to catch a touchdown pass this week. Yeah, no, I th- I think Adams is my other lock. I will just give you some confidence if you need one of the running backs. I mean, you just look at the slate and it's tough. I'm just going to say Devin Singletary because I know he's the guy. He gets some guaranteed volume, save you some cash. I think he's a good floor play. I don't love him for ceiling, but I want to give you some confidence to put in Devin Singletary. And then give me a dart throw you like. Yeah, this week for my dart throw, I'm going to go with Clyde Edwards-Elaire. And it kind of sounds silly to call him a dart throw because, again, we've seen like great games from him. But this is a spot where you can get a lot of leverage on the field because a ton of people are going to play Pat Mahomes. Everyone and their mother is going to play Travis Kelsey. So what happens if they just all of a sudden flip the script and give CEH 15 to 20 carries and he scores two touchdowns? Like You, you need that in GPP. So to me, he is my dart throw GPP play of the week. Let's get weird here, and we mentioned Cameron Brait, so I won't say his name again, although, dude, that was pretty some pretty fire statistics we were given about this guy. I mean, um, I'm going to mention Gabriel Davis, who we didn't even say his name when we were highlighting the game. He's the wide receiver four for the Bills, and so you might say, who cares? Uh, the Bills use 10 personnel more than any other team other than the Cardinals this year, and in week six, when they decided to just go four wide, they gained 7.9 yards per play compared to 2.8 yards per play when they just went three wide. So I could see a scenario where either they're behind or they say we can't run the ball and we just need to go four wide. And Gabe Davis had some sick catches a couple weeks ago. He was your uh, toe drag swag boy, right? That's right. So I Gabe Davis is super cheap, only in GPPs. He's a dart throw, uh, but he's actually getting about 50% of the snaps. And on this slate... That's uh, it's actually not that crazy. All right, let's. I want to give a segment to my boy Bets. So, you guys don't know this, but Bets. I mean, he's rolling in ten G's a week, just just betting everything. Me and Brooks. <laughs> and I wanted to give Bets this opportunity to talk about some props because at the end of the year, props, especially for the Super Bowl, is something that become is super popular, and we're still trying to figure out what that looks like for fantasy footballers in the future. We've done Mike Monkey Knife Fight, uh, but bets you looked at some of your favorite props from the DraftKings Sportsbook. So why don't you just tell the people some of your favorite props this week? Yeah, for sure. And the thing that I love about prop betting is a, it's just a ton of fun to have some skin in the game outside of DFS, but it correlates so well to what fantasy is, and it's identifying good matchups and players that are getting the correct. Uh, type of volume that you want to either hit the over or under for these guys. So we'll talk about a couple of my favorite plays. I love Devonta Adams over seven and a half receptions. I just think they're going to figure out a way to get him over that total uh, week after week after week. I love the same prop for Travis Kelsey. Kyle, is there a defense that gives up more receptions to the tight end than the Bills? There is not. That is factually correct. Is there a tight end that gets targeted at a rate like Travis Kelsey? No, <laughs> this is easy in my opinion. So love the, the over seven and a half there for Kelsey. And then I like plus money plus 145 for Aaron Rodgers to go over two and a half touchdown passes. I think he can get three because we like the over in this game. And we look at this Tampa defense. You talked about it, Kyle, at the top, top of the show. They're getting targeted a ton when they get inside the red zone and they're giving up a ton of touchdown passes inside that uh, 20 yard line. So love the over two and a half. And it's because the price is just so good at plus, uh, what did I say? 145. And then Mike Evans, I'm going to go with an under 63 and a half minus 112. 
again, we talked about it a little bit worried with Jair Alexander uh, and their coverage. He's just been, I mean, absolutely dominant this season. And we've seen Mike Evans have those weeks where he kind of is up and then he's down and, and kind of back and forth. So I'll take the under on Mike Evans, but I love those four props this week. Yeah, the under kind of seems clear. He had one catch for 10 yards against them earlier in the year. Why don't you explain to people real quick, last thing, when you mentioned Aaron Rodgers plus 145, why is that so such an attractive one to, to take? Yeah, usually with uh, sports betting, you're looking at the lines that the, the books are offering, and they're basically saying, you know, if it's if it's minus, you're going to pay me, let's say it's, let's say it's minus, you know, 110. You're going to pay me $11 for this bet. And if it hits, I keep it. If it wins, I'll give you 10. So you get your $21 in total. You're losing money essentially in terms of what you're putting down to then win. So it just makes sports betting harder. And that's why we tell you don't mess with Vegas. But this week, mess with Vegas with these props. Uh, <laughs> when you look at plus money, you essentially have to put down less money to win more. So this specific example, plus 145, you're putting down 10. You're going to get 14 dollars and 50 cents back to make it a simple math for you guys so you're getting plus odds which you always love to be on that side of things because you can be less risky with your bet but get way more back in return and kyle i don't know about you but i like to risk a little and win a lot that is that is a good feeling yeah if you have some more thoughts on that i know bets is gets to share some of that on twitter and that's something that he's kind of looked at more Uh, but next year dfs pod we're probably going to be able to have some more of those in terms of what we get to talk about but I wanted to reflect, Bets. This is our last kind of DFS pod. It's, we're going to get to reflect on the year. So, Wait, time out, time out, time uh, out. I slacked with Mike a second ago before we started talking. No. I asked, I said, hey, man, can me and Kyle do one more show for the Super Bowl? I want to do some props. I want to do a showdown slate preview. And he replied with Bill Nye the Science Guy nodding his head yes in a gift form. So this is not the end. We are back in two weeks for the, the Super Bowl. Guys, this is me on the air. Breaking just news. Live, just, Breaking news. I had no idea, and I am here for it. So, oh, yes, yeah, so we get to talk about... So, this is not the last thing that we're ever going to talk about. But I do want to reflect, Bets. Is that okay? I'm a reflective guy. Let's do it. I'm contemplative. Um, I wanted to just kind of reflect on what we learned this year. What did we learn today? And I stole that drop from Spitballers Podcast, and I, it gave me a chance to give a shout-out and if you have never listened to the Fantasy Footballers' other podcasts, the Spitballers, it's a great one to listen in the offseason. It comes out on Monday. But at the end of every single show, they talk about what they learned. And I thought this is a chance for us to talk about what we learned in DFS in 2020. I know you guys listening, you guys have shared a lot on Twitter. You shared a lot in terms of reviews that you've gotten to learn the game with us and the theories behind it. So I'll go first, bets of just what I learned in 2020. And one of the biggest things is learning how to stay the course with contest selection. It's so easy to see the big contests and I'm more of a GPP player than bets. It's so easy to see those and start constructing lineups saying, if I were to win, I'm going to win a thousand dollars. I'm going to win, you know, it shows you all the possible winnings. If you, if you make your lineups on DK, it actually says you could win this much money this week. But contest selection is so key. So we talk a lot about staying the course with 50-50s and cash lineups and being able to say, all right, I'm going to go in single entries and small fields or multipliers first, and I'm going to build more there than these giant GPPs where there's 100,000 people and you're probably not going to get very far. So for me, contest selection is something that I think we don't talk about enough on here. I know we'll do some shows next year about what what it looks like. What are the contests that actually are good for people to win and what are the ones that you probably won't win that one for the next 10 years at all like even the best players in the world aren't winning that contest so that's something that i've had in my back pocket that i've kind of stayed with this year and for cash purposes it's helped me have uh, a plus year yeah i think that's a really good one because you know, it's it's fun to log into the app or on the desktop version and be like, man, look at this one. This one's going to pay out 200K to first. And those are great. Like, they're fun to play in. But if you want to be a long-term successful DFS player, usually that's not it. It doesn't happen for all of us and rarely happens for a lot of us that you actually win those contests. So, yeah, I think that's a good, uh, a good strategy to employ. And I do want to do a little bit more content. Maybe we can put that out, maybe either on the website or talking about it on the show. But, yes, getting into more 
how do you pick the right contest and how do you match your lineup to that contest is sort of a topic we should dive into next year a lot more. And I think similarly, building lineups that fit a specific tournament or entry has been something I've learned a lot more about. You know, it's just two or three years ago, I was like, yeah, this is my my lineup for the week. I'm going to enter it in all six of these contests and just hope for the best. But, you know, we talk about it all the time. Cash is just so different. It's, it's like redraft. You just play the best plays that you can kind of create with your salary and hope it pays off. In GPPs, you need to be willing to get extremely different if you're playing in a 150 millionaire maker lineup or if you're playing in a 50 man, you know, quote unquote tournament that isn't a huge field. Like you can still be okay with some of these cash plays, mix in a couple other guys here and there. So I've learned to be a lot more selective with how I build a lineup based off which tournament or contest I'm entering. And it's made me way more successful this season than ever before. Yeah. And if you have any of those lessons that you've learned this year or just things that you picked up along the way, feel free to share them with us on Twitter. Bets is at the fantasy PT. I'm at Kyle underscore Borg. And apparently, man, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped about this. We'll get to uh, do this thing in two weeks. We'll get to talk about props, which Super Bowl props is the time to do it, Bets. Oh, yeah. If you had to so give fun. people a little plug for that, just, just give them the plug for it right now. Oh, my gosh, dude. The, the, the props at the Super Bowl. I mean, the, I don't know anyone that watches the Super Bowl without having something involved, whether you're doing like the squares contest or you're betting on like... Who watches the game? I know, right? It's all about the commercials. Um, whether you're looking at that or like the length of the national anthem, the color of the Gatorade, like you can you can put a little money on anything. It's a ton of fun. And of course, we'll break it down from a DFS perspective. So stick with us. We'll be back in two weeks to break down the most important game of the year. Yes, we're glad you're with us. We hope you guys win some cash this week and we look forward to talking to you guys. Go Bills! Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.